Rafe, do you know what the price of a chimney is? I don't know what the price of a chimney is, Ben. It's nothing. It's on the house. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Actually, that's not the answer. It's uh, actually the price is through the roof. <sighs> good, good. What do you call a three-eyed pig? Oinky, oinky or something. Pig! Oh, okay, oh. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly my favourite time of year when Ben tells his uh, jokes. I mean, on the plus side, they haven't got like a Christmas or a New Year theme. Yeah, I was going to say, where are the Christmas? Have you, have you got some coming up, Rafe? You got a cracker joke? My boss came up to me and said, where, where have you been? I've been trying to find you all morning. I said, good employees are hard to find. <laughs> Uh, what do cows say on New Year's Eve? Don't, Happy uh, Moon Year. Uh, that's that's really weak, Rafe. And I, I say that from a position of being in a glass house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Ready? Shall we? Um, yes. Okay. Come on. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Ruth Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 21, Episode 7. And as we relax on the sofas by the fireplace between Christmas and New Year, we're catching up on correspondence from listeners and covering all those topics we missed throughout 2023. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Rocking. Good, thank you, Ben. Good. Ewan McLeod back in the UK. Currently. Rafe Blanford coming to us from his palace in uh, central London as ever. Right. We'll do the social stuff later on. So, happy Christmas. And if you're celebrating, happy Christmas and certainly happy new year to everyone. Absolutely. This episode's going to go out sometime between Christmas and New Year. We hope all being well, fingers crossed. So, we are having a relaxed week. This week, as we uh, recover from our uh, turkey and uh, too much food and presents and things. Sausage rolls. Famously, sausage rolls in your house, you're McLeod. Bit of a m- magazine show this week, a bit of a mix of right. topics and stuff. Woo. And to anyone thinking, hang on a minute, where was the Christmas buying guide? Where was the Christmas party episode? Uh, yes. I think in order to enjoy these things, you have to do them sparingly. And so this year, we deliberately were disorganised and didn't. Well, everybody else is doing it. I think it's quite smart, you know, just skip a little bit. Yeah. Right? Change it up a little bit. Yeah. It's very on brand for our Christmas episodes to be a week after Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) That's very on brand for us. Okay, let's crack on. Yes. So a whole hodgepodge of topics to talk about this evening. We're going to cover off each one just a few minutes. A whole bunch of things that I've wanted to talk about for ages or things that have occurred in the news recently, but mm. they're not big enough for whole episodes yet. Right. So, you McLeod, I'd like you to pick me a random number between 1 and 10, please. Uh, 6. Okay. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Excellent. Item 6 is Beeper Mini. We oh. wanted to have a quick chat about that. I'll fill in the obvious bit that everyone knows, and then we'll turn to Rafe Blanford for the big brain explanation. Beeper are... Uh, organization that have been building cross-network messenger apps for a while now and they've also been building like something that looks a bit like a blackberry with some some interesting hardware and stuff and that's mm-hmm. all great but i was a little bit surprised when they announced like a commercial product beeper mini and beeper mm-hmm. mini is at the time of recording an iMessage client for android obviously lots of android users particularly in the us where iMessage is much more prevalent than where we are here where People use WhatsApp and various other messengers. It's an iMessage client for Android. It obviously 
notably solves that problem in a way that's different to a couple of the other companies which announced that they had that capability recently. Nearly all of the other people who've launched these services basically have a Mac in a data center and you give them your passwords and they proxy those messages backwards and forwards, Mm. which is a truly awful idea because you're basically handing the keys to your iCloud account over to that organization. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come on. Beeper Mini did a very technically clever thing of effectively tricking iMessage into believing that this Android device was an Apple device and engaging with it. And at the time of recording, they've launched a commercial service. Apple shut them down once. We don't know what they changed it at this stage in order to block the service. And mm. it's since been reinstated, albeit working slightly differently. So there you go. There's the quick version. Rafe Blanford, first of all... Say things. Well, why does this matter? I think there's a bit of context here about why everyone is so desperate to get iMessage on Android. I mean, I think it's the blue bubble versus the green bubble thing that when on an iPhone, you can see the difference between someone who's on iMessage versus someone who's on SMS. And it's interesting, Apple recently also announced they'd be supporting RCS as well, which is another protocol for doing messaging. And it's almost like a perception thing that you're seen as the poor relative if you have the green rather than the blue bubbles. So there's kind of like that perception thing, but there is genuinely a security thing as well in that iMessage is encrypted end-to-end. And I think increasingly people are concerned about privacy and then, you know, people getting access to their messages and SMSs. I mean, by sort of the way it's designed back from the 1980s, fundamentally insecure. I think that is less important and more it's about people don't want to be seen as, I guess, second class citizens when they're communicating with kind of friends. And so having the benefits of it are probably more about the perception between people sending messages than anything else because you know there are other features in iMessage you know the apps and the kind of way it deals with media and things like that but i would say they're very much a secondary consideration but that's kind of a you know user research of one if you will you and you know you're back in the uk now but you're mr international travel for us and so if we just look at it through a uk lens I don't feel that in the UK there's a sort of, apart from possibly the, the perception thing that Rafe was talking about, that there's a burning desire for people to use iMessage on Android because mm. in the UK particularly, but you know, in and many other geographies as well, people are using Signal or Facebook or WhatsApp or something and it's become established enough that everybody has it. And for me, the test is where do all of the social groups communicate? So yes, my son's football team, the school class parents, the people on our road, we all use WhatsApp groups yes. as a way to communicate. And no one questions whether you have WhatsApp anymore. It's kind of past that line. But in the US, there's sort of less penetration of those kind of apps. And so people more frequently, I think, use SMS as that kind of default messaging service. So what about, you know, kind of Amman and the Middle East and places like that? You know, what do people use there? Famously, when I'm on stage talking in Oman or in Bahrain, as I was doing recently, you know, these countries, they run on WhatsApp, mm. right? Uh, and interestingly here, all of us are iPhone. I mean, I, I have a Android as well. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> right. But wh- why don't we use iMessage? Because yeah. we, we don't use iMessage. Yeah. So I, I think it's a valid issue for some demographics, you know, where you've got you know, five people on iPhone, three people on a Android or vice versa or whatever. And it's just annoying that they can't just all text together because the, the default is, and you see many, I'm seeing this with my 
tweens, teens, you know, they're starting off with iMessage because that's the messaging feature on the phone. That's how yeah. they start, right? And then we're saying, oh, you might want to try WhatsApp. And they go, oh, no, no, Snapchat. Really interesting. No, Snapchat. Okay, right. But if you want to chat to everyone, you could use WhatsApp. Uh, so it's interesting looking at the young, because I'm seeing that with my children at the minute, how they're being introduced to messaging. But in, in other, other the countries, especially in the Gulf, I, where, where I've been seeing it, and Singapore and so on, it's just everything runs on WhatsApp, right? It isn't an issue. You know, what's your WhatsApp? Great, thank you. So even the Talabat, right, which is the delivery, the delivery service across the Gulf, all of that is, I mean, they try and put you into the, their app. But generally speaking, it's always, always, always WhatsApp message. Please open this gate. You're, you know, come and pick up your food. It's a standard, effectively. Every time you say Taliban, my brain does Taliban, and I have to do these mental leaps to try and work out why you'd be texting the Taliban. Do you know, I did a LinkedIn thing the other day. I was talking about Taliban because Taliban launched a card, a credit card in UAE. Yeah. And someone very helpfully sent me a message saying, just so you know, LinkedIn has... Um, <laughs> autocorrected. Has autocorrected that incorrectly. <laughs> you might want to change it as I edited it. But the, I think the, the concept of WhatsApp, yeah, I, I wonder what, what our listeners are thinking, because I don't view Beeper as a problem or a need. I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm surprised that there's enough people to create a market for a $3 a month app. But Rafe, I'm also confused why any of this is a thing, because I'm reasonably sure I remember Steve Jobs standing on stage saying he was going to open source this. And, you know, kind of Apple have been backsliding on this for, I mean, in excess of a decade. Am I remembering correctly? I think um, there was some conversation about that, but then it rapidly changed. And for Apple, it's kind of a lock-in feature. And you mentioned groups there. This is actually the key to this. I'm not sure that there's that much status going about green and blue bubbles, but what happens is if you add an Android or a non-iPhone to a group chat, the functionality of that group chat significantly degrades. So you cannot then exchange messages and all you need to do is add one android person to that so that's what actually drives most of the right. iMessage conversation and we kind of largely ignore that because i think people use iMessage more in the uk and this is again like anecdote the kind of the group messaging tends to happen on those over-the-top services like whatsapp and everything else so i will just say that i think it's a phenomenon where there is that group chat in particular because of the degrade and it's also then like the kind of richness of that. And just a little thing, like the red status and whether someone's typing. And when you've got a rapid group chat going on, those things do actually matter. So it's quite useful. Yeah. What yeah. Beeper Mini did, or as you said, like they didn't just fake it. They actually kind of reverse engineered the protocol and worked out how to register a phone number with Apple servers, how to use the push notifications to have everything working. And there's been a bit of back and forth making it work. But it sort of is interesting to me less about all the details, but that there are still services on phones that people kind of want access to that are exclusive to the operating system. And iMessage is one of those ones which is a bit of a moat and a, or a walled mm. garden for Apple that does make people buy an iPhone over Android. And, you know, it surprises me that it's not something like Apple TV or Apple Music, but of course, some of those they have made available on Android, where iMessage, they very specifically said, no, we're not going to do that. My hot take here is that Apple will shut it down either technically or legally, and then that will prompt regulators to step in and say, actually, iMessage is anti-competitive now as a service, and it will force them to open it up, and it will be a self-defeating, uh, what's the word? Is is it a Pyrrhic victory? That's it. There we go. Yeah. Okay, we should move on. Rafe Blanford, pick a number between 1 and 10. Ooh, 
not six. Five. Five. <sighs> Come on. Not very imaginative. One, two, three, four, five. Really quick one. I am wearing my new Apple Watch Ultra 2. Ooh. I'm here to tell you it's good. There you go. That's my review. Why do you like it, Ben? Yeah, is it just heavier? It's bigger and heavier, and I've been to the Apple Store several times to put it on and to try it on, and every time I had decided, no, it's too big, it's too heavy. Then I got the opportunity to buy one. Actually, this is secondhand. It was right. unused largely from Apple, a, a gift somebody didn't want. And so I got a bit of a discount, and that opened my wallet. And actually, having worn it now, I am really impressed with it. I find the screen, the brightness and clarity of the screen makes it more usable. Yeah, interesting. I could see. I like having the larger amount of widgets. And I, in recent months, have been wearing G-Shocks and kind of digital watches more because they were things that I liked and it hasn't felt so massive. And actually, oddly, the field loop strap, the kind of the nylon band strap that I've got on here actually is more comfortable for me than silicon bands and other mm. things. And I'm finding it actually more comfortable to wear because it sits on top of the wrist and the bands go down the side. So actually it's, it's comfortable. I don't think it's great value for money at full retail price, but I really think it indicates what all watches will be soon in terms of it's really quick. It's really crisp and clear to use. It's mm. obviously, you know, it's really noticeable how much faster and more responsive and usable the apps and the, the interfaces on this one versus my watch sort of a few generations wow. ago. You know, mm. it's very noticeable. So, uh, thumbs up to that. And you're selling it to okay. me, actually. I like that. That sounds, yeah. yeah, I like the sound of that, actually. It's a good upgrade on your answer there, Ben, because when you were talking about it before the show, you said it's more comfortable. And I was prepared to mock you for buying something that has extra features, but slightly more comfortable. <laughs> there we go. Okay, Ben, uh, choose a number between one and 10 that's not five and six. I am going to choose, and I'm not even looking at the list now, uh, two. So uh, one, two. Oh, good. Okay, so I've had some correspondence, had some emails, and Ooh. by the time this goes out, I would have replied to those emails, but I also now... Are these emails, or is it, I mean, literally emails? Well, they arrive to me as emails. I think they've both come through the website, people Excellent. putting in the comments. Right. Anyway, Mark Hawkins has written in, thank you, Mark, and I'm, a po- I'm really sorry that it took me so long to reply to acknowledge your comment. He was responding to the episode we did about two episodes ago about our mobile networks good yet. Yes. He said some nice things about what we said. Actually, he mostly said nice things about what Rafe said, to be honest, but I'm going to ride on Rafe's coattails there. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, Mark. (laughs) There's two things, though. I mean, one was just sort of giving his view on on networks and what he'd buy, and he's done the same dance as we have, but settled on Vodafone, where he is, and he now uses... MVNOs on Vodafone, but he sort of takes that approach in terms of picking which network he knows works well. And then sort of, it appears to me anyway, from what he's written, that he's then shopped for what's the most cost-effective MVNO on Vodafone. Right. But he was asking about brand loyalty, because of course, we talked a lot in that episode about, you know, kind of our perception of the various networks. And particularly, we did that little segment on kind of Vodafone and your kind of gold business platinum standards, you know, kind of tariffs you and Mm. And so, Rafe, I'll ask you to kick off on this one. But one of the points he was making was, to what extent are people's perceptions of the networks based in the fact of how they actually operate today? And how much is actually perception of the brands as they used to be? Mm. Like, you know, oh, three is a cheap upstart brand and Vodafone is the long established trustworthy one and et cetera, et cetera. Because in his post, he was also reeling off a whole bunch of brands that have faded away you know we've lost t-mobile we lost one-to-one 
Marks and Spencers in the UK. And, you know, kind of to what extent were people kind of perhaps misjudging the service you'd get based on 10, even 20 years ago, which maybe was the last time that they actually searched around for a network? It's a great question. I mean, last time we kind of touched on what the networks actually are like and the fact they're sharing networks and all those kind of things. But for me, this is kind of a brand and marketing question. And it's absolutely true to say that people's perception is probably based on something that may be five or even 10 years old. Like It's very clear from research that marketing and brand value is established you know, quite early on and then has a very long tail to it. And I think nowhere is that going to be more true than something like mobile networks, where they are talking about different values that they have and whether that's the speed of the network or something else and we kind of know there is a lot of similarity and then we talked about that last time but everyone will say oh no no i've actually chosen it but they will probably underestimate how much they're impacted by advertising whether that's tv advertising above the line or the below the line kind of offers that you see in kind of direct mail and kind of what will be called um and base cons but i'd even simplify even more than that Brands are basically cognitive shortcuts. And what I mean by that is that, you know, it's a nice one, though. Boom. With a brand, you kind of use it as a way your brain for shorthand for stories and things that you've been told about. And partly that'll be your experience. And what advertising does is shift that story or your narrative in the brain. So when you hear Vodafone or O2 or EE, you will immediately associate it with the experiences that you have. But those will typically be, you know, going back a decade or even more, or the advertising that you've seen. And it's why companies spend tens or hundreds of millions on advertising. And it's not just mobile networks, it's Coca-Cola and Pepsi, Nike and Reebok and Adidas. And so I would say uh, Mark's absolutely right. People probably are significantly out of date. And actually, you know, the marketing continues to do that. Because also people take value from being associated with it. You know, they are part of a club or community. That's why people do that. And I think Ewan, with his Vodafone demonstration, kind of was like the perfect example of that. So thank you, Ewan, for being our case study. Well, can I test something, actually? Because that's something I'd like to double check, Ewan. So when I see that consumer targeted advertising for, you know, a big mobile network and it sort of yeah. get your broadband, get your phone, stream your movies, you know, you're an idiot, we'll give you a box that does Wi-Fi in your house and you're too stupid to understand how it works and it'll just make all your tablets go faster. It'll just work. I understand that there are people who don't want to think about making their Wi-Fi work and so that's a valuable product. But when I see it presented in that kind of, you know, just let us do everything and be glitzy, expensive, you know, perhaps even Hollywood actors or something like that, you know, kind of in adverts, I actually kind of, switch off. I, I disengage. I don't want to buy from those brands because they're marking themselves out to me as like, we're not for you. You know, if you have an opinion about how you want it to work or if you value speed or quality or something like that, you know, I actually now veer away from those brands. I always felt there was room. I don't know if many people working in the mobile industry agreed with me though, but I felt there was room for a premium business service. I remember saying, look, you know, it, it's great that the, and this was 10 years ago that there's a child on the bus or a teenager on the bus sitting next to me or near me and they're streaming YouTube, which was horrific. <laughs> that was just something you didn't do when we were younger because the amount of data you know, being sucked across mm. and then the, then the child just goes, next, 
next you think do you understand there's pre-caching going on there's a whole lot of network gubbings going on here to make this thing work and you're using your unlimited plan for this ridiculous my point was look this is great that the teenager is doing this right but hold on a minute i i would like priority above youtube i remember us talking about three especially their unlimited plans but other networks Mm. as well and talking about how it was sort of irresponsible because there was no such thing as unlimited. So yes. you were either promising something you couldn't deliver or it was unlimited with a little asterisk and it was kind of unlimited except yes. on Tuesdays, yes. except yes, if exactly. we're busy and not yeah. unlimited to the standard you expect, you yes. know, kind of thing. Yeah, the best I can come up with, and it's a really poor analogy, is that in, in the UK, there's an internet service provider called Andrews and Arnold and it's very popular with geeks because it's a tiny little provider. They charge quite a premium fee but they let you use your own gear they let you configure it how you want you can ring up and you can talk to a techie who will know precisely how you want it if you ring up and say you know i've got smart home or i've got automations or i've got something complex they're not gonna say oh that's unsupported they're gonna say oh great you know kind of like do it this way how can we help you make it work well they'll offer you bonded lines and, and they'll offer you 3g and 4g fallbacks on, on this sort of stuff and that you can configure and that for me like that's the optimum it's like i want to buy from people who are as picky and as expert or yes. more expert than i am and i think well where would i get my mobile service of that type from yes and there's no equivalent there and it's not the I mean, same they, they do they do offer right telephony but you 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 mean the equivalent right but yes. not consumer grade yeah. you know kind of in yeah, my yeah. phone type stuff i mean they, they can and it's not what you were, you were asking for a more business centric one, but yes. it's still somebody who really leans in hard to mm. you know mm. supporting a particular group. But again, I suppose maybe the difference here is that they do control enough things in their service that they can provide a differentiated service. Where the MVNOs, the only thing that we've found for them to differentiate on really is pricing and add-on features. You know, because you're using right. the masks. Can I just say, is there a wrong answer in that? Is there a wrong answer to, you know, for a mobile network choice? Well, I, I think no, but I think we covered it in the episode, which is mm-hmm. it depends where you are, because actually I still stand by, and actually Mark makes the point in the, t- in the end of his email, he says, um, I'm going to read it out, actually. Uh, he says, I uh, look forward to you return to the topic, perhaps with some rave facts on expenditure for mobile networks in different countries. I think the basic problem isn't so much planning constraints, because we speculated that you might not be able to build masts in places people needed them, as much as UK networks not investing. And that was because we talked about how you might build masts, but if you didn't build enough, they were saturated and there were no use to you. And I think that's exactly it now, which is depending on what the local restrictions are of masts and the, the capacity of those masts and the usage, what might be right for me and what might be right for you 10 miles down the road are different just because right. of what service we get. What's frustrating and what I can't do though, as the person in my family who has to explain this stuff to other people and advise them on what to get is I don't know how to say to them this is how to work it out except for buy loads of different networks try them out over several years and see which feels best which feels like a really unsatisfactory low science answer Mm. okay we should move on Uh, back to you Ewan Uh, pick a random number that hasn't been chosen before Uh, seven Uh, one two three four five six seven (laughs) <laughs> okay, cryptically, this item says brain stuff. But since you contributed it, you can start us off here, Captain Brain Stuff. So this is my wife, Hetty, who has been 
saying, you know, it's, it's just really important, she says, to, to keep your brain active as you get older. You know, really important. Do you do anything? She's just asking me one day. I said, well, I, yeah, Duolingo. And she knew off Duolingo. Now, do you guys know Duolingo? Uh, yeah, it's the language learning app, is it? Yeah, language learning app. Ages ago, about 560 days ago, I about. started about doing Arabic on Duolingo. It's just, I thought, I'll try this. I'll try this. And, and because I was working in Oman, and I wanted to try and show willing, you know, instead of being the, the idiot that can't even say Sabalakher, which is you know, good morning, Sabah al right? Or what the equivalent. If you haven't got that wrong, please feel free to write in and tell him I'll forward all those emails. Salam alaikum. Uh, alaikum salam, right? You know, it, you know that, that was the limit. You do maybe five, 10 minutes every day. I think that's quite important that you are exercising your brain on a regular basis. That was my wife's point. She started this and she's doing way more than me now. She did 15 minutes a day of Duolingo. The children use it. It's interesting. Ages ago, I, I introduced it to my eldest son. Both sons played with it. The second one kind of fell off a little while. I think he did 100 days in a row. You have to try and get streaks, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole streak thing. Uh, so don't stop, right? We've paid the 70 or 80 pounds a, a year for the family account. My mother-in-law is using it now uh, every day. That's great. And is this all learning various different languages. So there's a, there's a mixture. For the last couple of hundred days, it's been languages. Now my son is doing German, eldest son's doing German, and then number two was doing Spanish, I think. I have varied it. Sometimes I'll do French. Like when we go skiing, I'll do French. Sometimes I'll do Spanish. Then I'll, I'll pick up the Arabic again. I'm getting really good, genuinely really good at writing and reading Arabic. I don't know what the words mean. You know, I'm still having to really, really, really work hard on that. But it, it's certainly keeping me going. And I like doing these streaks. I'm really enjoying that. But they introduced maths recently. Mm. And that I forced myself into. That's been really cool. You know, what, what are two halves plus a so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. That's great. And then my wife is also using the music capability in Duolingo. Now, other apps are available. That's just the one that I, I really quite enjoyed. I used a few others in the past. I like how Duolingo does things. My point is, what are you guys doing? Are you doing any kind of you know, this is good for your brain, something different, keeping things going, little habits like that. I've taken an alternative approach, whereas I'm just trying to pickle my brain in as much red wine as, uh, as possible in the, in the okay. hopes of preserving it for as long as possible. Okay. No, I'm um, joking aside, it's one of those things that's been nagging at me that I kind of think I ought to do, but don't. And actually, since I commute less now, I work in a hybrid role now mm. and work from home far more, I have less commuting time which was always the obvious time to sort of settle down and do something like this right. you know kind of where you had to have something on your phone to do i suppose what i would say is that in a less structured way i actually probably watch more youtube than i do tv now and actually quite a lot of my favorite youtubers are educational youtubers right. and so it's not streaks and that kind of stuff but actually learning stuff about subjects of interest as a, for example, there's a great YouTube channel called Map Men. Right. And they make very funny, I mean, it's very lighthearted stuff, but very funny videos about maps and the history of maps and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's the kind of the pub quiz questions that you're going to learn and the casual interest kind of stuff. Also, I, you know, I, li- I love anything that the Tom Scott produces. And he, he had this whole series on YouTube about things you might not know. Okay. And again, just sort of would go somewhere really curious and would say, look, this is what a seed bank looks like. This is what a nuclear bunker looks like. You know, this is what a World War II radar installation looked like. Here is where they tested this thing or that. And, yeah. and kind of, I suppose it's kind of edutainment. Slightly passive though, right? You're not actually... Oh, but definitely, that's a, that's a very fair criticism. But I kind of 
let myself watch this stuff because it's not the same as watching a man drive a fast car or talk about yeah, a watch I like yes. because that's just kind of... Do you do that daily? Do you, are you taking 10 minutes a day to say, right, I'm going to do this? I typically do it like I'm having my lunch, eating a sandwich or something, and yeah, you'll watch, you know, watch 15, Have 20 minutes. Have you tried minutes. something like Blinkist or Imprint or these, these ones where you, you get a book in 10 minutes or something like that, right? Actually, so you recommended Blinkist, I think, mm. last year around Christmas when you were suggesting sort of gift subscriptions oh, right, yeah, and yeah. things. And I tried it out, but I mean, <laughs> and I understand what I'm about to say is nonsensical, but I didn't like it because I thought, oh, I'm missing out on something here. Like by getting the book summarized. It summarized it. <laughs> I'm missing the nuance, the depth, all that kind of stuff. Yes. And so instead of getting that sort of subpar reduced quality version of the book, I don't read the book at all. And I have no version of right. it whatsoever, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, is it better or is it worse? I don't know. What I have done this year I've bought lots of books. I mean, I have filled a bookcase. Have you read any, Mr. Smith? I've read one. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look, I think it's great. You're supporting the public, and I think you should feel great. It's like having a gym subscription. I've bought the books. I've read one. Did you complete the, that? I used to have two books I didn't read, and now I've got 20. Yeah, I, I think it's the, to much your point, though, actually, is I do want to do that because I find learning new subjects and those sorts of things it is a rewarding enjoyable thing mm. for me but what i haven't done is nailed that kind of how do i get my streak you know yes. and actually maybe, yeah, exactly. yes. maybe using duolingo which would make me prioritize it over you know doing something less rewarding rafe blanford come on rafe surely there's nothing left for you to learn exactly well i wouldn't say that because i'm curious about everything but i don't really use one of these kind of brain training apps i mean there is research that indicates it gives you brain plasticity and all of those good things. You could be like me, Rafe. That actually isn't necessarily selling it to everybody on the podcast, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say that's probably not possible to aspire to that, Ewan. <laughs> okay. You're such um, a better person than I am. <laughs> but actually, the kind of reading things and, you know, because it's so easy to get sucked into, whether that's Instagram, TikTok, which, you know, I'm not going to debate the kind of merits of that, but actually small bits of news. I have deleted both because they are horrible time sucks. Mm. It's the right. only way okay. I could make that yeah. work in my okay. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the thing I, you know, I'm going to mention it, and I mentioned it before, Reddit, where there are a few subreddits that I subscribe to that I just feel kind of educate me. And it's exactly the same as Ben when I'm having a break, you know, whether that's for lunch or commuting somewhere or whatever it happens to be, that would often be 10, 15 minutes of time. But in the interest of giving listeners a kind of recommendation, I think there are three relatively high quality brain training ones that I have used and enjoyed. One of those is uh, Lumosity, and it has sort of 40 games that you can play through, and they're all designed around brain training. And there is a premium subscription, which will make you unhappy. I believe mm -hmm. it's about £10 a month, right. and that gets you a personalized plan so you can Ooh. improve with targeted bits of your brain. There's <laughs> Elevate, which was Apple's app of the year. And it's about expanding vocab, improving your memory, right. and a few other things. And again, it's kind of gamified, so it's really nice and streaks and all of that. And then the last one is Peak, which again is sort of more based around kind of mini games. But I liked it just because the design was really nicely done. And with these things, it's as much the senses for audio and visual as what you're then tapping on screen. So it just doesn't become kind of button mashing and peak is nice because it feels a bit more gamey than some of the others and it doesn't get so repetitive 
And again, there's a subscription to get these things because there are a lot of these brain training things that are ad supported. And frankly, they annoyed me a lot. I would rather pay for something so that I don't get interrupted. Pay for quality. Exactly. Yeah, with you. But that's probably a reflection of the amount of you know the time I, I have. But I would definitely recommend or I advocate you know doing something that takes mm. you off the you know the treadmill sometimes of whatever that happens to be to do something yeah. that you know expands your mind trains it whatever it is and I, I think there's some good recommendations between the three of us there yeah i mean I, I deliberately bought paper books because i wanted to put all my devices down and read you know kind of uninterrupted because I've actually got some professional learning that I really want to do soon. Come on, you got to do it. Yeah, I, I need to need to get better at it. But I mean, at least now the books are physically closer to me, so you know, that's that's nice. That's great. Now, can we can we also? I'd like to hear from listeners. Yes, definitely. I'm going to break the system here, actually, because we'd like to hear from you. But I'd also like to uh, roll this into the next topic that I think we should cover off. We've talked about New Year's resolutions, oh. so we're running out of numbers and out of time now. We were just chatting before starting to think about you know new year fresh start it's always a good time to start new year's resolutions i personally i like new year's resolutions because i think having a fresh start a fresh impetus to try something new i mean you don't have to wait for a new year it could be monday morning it could be mm, once mm. a month or whatever but i like the prompt you know even for yes. silly reasons to try something different and so i wanted to get from you both sort of things that in a in a 361 sphere you know, I'm not interested if you're going to eat more bananas or be nicer to your wife. You know, like I'm more interested in the 361 sphere about, you know, kind of in terms of tech and that kind of stuff. So, right. you and you're jumping up and down. You can go first. Yeah. So, I'm going to do two. So, one is I do think you should do some kind of brainy thing, right? Start. Or actually, for you, Ben, I would strongly suggest why don't you read a flipping book? There you go. Come on. Come on. Right. They're sitting there, sitting there. Maybe you need Habitify. Or one of these apps that says, now is time for you to uh, spend 10 minutes. And now you're helping because actually one of the things I really dislike about this time of year when other podcasts are talking about, you know, kind of starting afresh and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I really hate cases where the recommendation is try harder. Oh, come on. Like if you've gone a whole year <laughs> and you haven't <laughs> exercised, read the book that you wanted to, <laughs> done the thing that you wanted to, you know, it's not just absence of effort there's some other impediment there and it might be inside your head start today yeah that's it just start all right then my second one and this is do look at your subscriptions yes look at your subscriptions the other day i thought well, i don't need this now tv the children were watching way too much movies or too many movies on uh, with, with now tv that's a sky subscription it's the streaming version of sky isn't it yeah, exactly yeah. and i logged on to it and i said right okay cancel the movies things we didn't, didn't need this and we cancelled the other thing. There's a sports thing we didn't need. And I thought, okay, the main TV you know, aspect, oh, cancel that. Don't need it. And at that point, I said, are you, are you absolutely sure? I said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm sure. And then they did the, oh, look, uh, we'll give you three months for not much, yeah, slightly, yeah, for 10% off or something not very good. I said, no, next, cancel. I said, okay, all right, so you're absolutely sure, yes, cancel. And then they said, okay, how about six months, half price or something like that? And I went, yes. So what I've done, I've set the calendar entry to remind me to go in and, and cancel again. If you are subscribing to stuff, I did this with Dashlane as well. Think carefully, but I didn't automatically renew Dashlane, right? I didn't auto... That's my password. You use yes. one password, I think, right? Yes, I do, yeah. So I use Dashlane, but I didn't automatically renew it because it's the same cost, same cost, same cost. I stopped. And then now they've sent me, because they're about to lose me as a customer, they sent me a 50% 
discount for the year. That's interesting because a lot of time people are saying, oh, you know, use this tool or use this technique to coupon eliminate subscriptions. But you're saying, you know, kind of you don't necessarily want to eliminate them, just don't auto renew and you might actually get what you wanted cheaper. One newspaper, right? I I did think if you asked me at gunpoint, how much are you paying? I'd say seven pounds a month for this newspaper, right? And then um, I, I look and it's 29. 29, it used to be seven, right? It used to be seven when you started, yeah. Yeah, and it's going, uh, then I go cancel, and they make it very difficult you know, to cancel. Cancel, 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 right? And then, then I do a new one, and it's, I don't know, one pound for six months or something, you know, crazy. So I do think it's worthwhile looking at the subscription creep. And the interesting, the one thing I've not touched, Apple. Right, zero negotiation with Apple, right? That's just a deal. What I do like, though, actually, is that one of the reasons I prefer to get my subscriptions through Apple, even sometimes, actually, when they're a little more expensive, mm. is I love the ease with which you can manage the subscriptions. I know... Stop. Exactly. That's a very good point. I can cancel yes. them, but also I had a shocker recently where I cancelled a subscription, so something auto-renewed, and yeah. I kicked myself because I hadn't intended to auto-renew it, and I was wasted money right. because... I don't use this service very much, and it was just money down the drain. And it was a 12-month upfront subscription, so I just bought yeah. a whole year I didn't want. So I went in, and I said, well, what I'm going to do is, because I've bought that year and paid for it, I'll cancel that subscription now, and so it won't auto-renew yes. in the year ahead. And I'll have this service, you know, and I might use it. I'll deal with you it, know, yes. I, well, I might use it, but I won't use it enough to, to justify. And because it wasn't through Apple and I cancelled it, I lost this service immediately. So I paid a whole year's subscription. I was oh. a week into that subscription and the cancellation took immediate effect and I lost access to that service. Oh. And so, you know, I really like the fact that with Apple, I kind of can rely on, I know how it's going to behave. And I'm sure if I paid more attention, I could have worked that out for myself with this one. But again, you want to be able to kind of get on with your life and move on. Hmm. Yes, I, I do like that technique also because you are the proponent of subscribe to this service, subscribe to that service. So at least mm. now you can argue that you're getting it marginally cheap. Well, I just, yeah, I, I think I want to pay. I like, I always like when Ben says, no, you, you know, uh, vote with your money, yeah. right? So yes, that's, that's, I will upgrade. I will be the premium guy. But but come on, let's not take it too far, guys, because you know, £7 to £29, mm. come on. Right, okay, let's hear some other... Um, Blanford. Yeah, Blanford, New Year's resolution suggestions. I have had a Zoe box looking at me guiltily for the last four months, and I have got my muffins in the freezer. What is a Zoe box? What is that? And Zoe is a health wellness monitoring and kit to kind of get you eating better, and you send off various tests. And it came out of the same brand as Zuffworth monitoring COVID. And so I picked it up a few months ago and have the kind of monitoring and the test ready to go and i was just a bit busy when it arrived so i put the muffins which they get you to eat to kind of set your baseline for food going in and the um, the test that they're going to do in the freezer so my new year's resolution is i am going to go through the zoe program and try and improve my diet and wellness and health that goes alongside that oh i, I keep getting youtube ads with yeah. that guy and that's back to my comment earlier about mobile networks. It's almost the thing that stopped me subscribing is the quantity and slickness of the ads because I'm thinking, is it, is it really real? I'm really glad that you are going to try it because I'm really interested. And the thing you and that really sparked me on this one is it's not just tests and sort of feedback. You've actually got a, like a, a blood glucose monitoring thing. It, it's 
you know the gizmo that they give diabetics yeah. who yes. that monitors with their phone and you can track you know kind of continuously track your blood glucose level oh my god you're gonna do a poop sample well i don't think you have to poop on anything it says but... you do this sample collects your poop sample at home oh fair enough well this this really okay. is uh this really is breaking news sorry to anyone who was having their breakfast <laughs> as i was listening to the podcast <laughs> But the one I was impressed by, though, was I'd, I'd read lots of people who had had huge health benefits from tracking blood sugar right. levels because you eat something yes. and it spikes your blood sugar and it's really bad for you, but you don't necessarily know which foods have that effect. Like, you probably guess the Mars bar is bad for you or the chocolate <laughs> right. bar, but actually that thing that you thought was healthy but actually isn't because you bought it from you know, the shop and didn't read the ingredients carefully and it's full of sugar or fruit juice or whatever read lots of people getting on really well with that so i'd be really interested to see how rafe gets on it. right rafe do it because we yeah we want to know are you going to have the I, I don't know what the proper words are but the gizmo that you sort of stab into your arm yes i did a year and kind of got the premium version so you, you've got it and you haven't done anything no i haven't are you paying for it the way it works is you have a testing kit that you do initially including what Ben referred to, the glucose monitoring. Yeah. And that's why you also eat a kind of standard set of muffins. I think it's three times on your first day to establish that baseline. And then it will monitor you as you eat other food and it will tell you what food is good for you. And there is a subscription. I think it's initially I've got for three months where you can then record what you're eating and it will tell you how you feel. And, and what it actually does is when you eat something, it will show you your body's response to doing that thanks to the monitoring and so it will tell you what are good foods for you and what are bad foods what's giving you energy and various other things i sort of went into it having done some research long enough ago that's like oh this is interesting it does seem that there's some rigor but i've now forgotten about all of it so it's going to be a fun thing to explore and i will report back in a future episode i am never going to persuade my wife that my new health and fitness regime measuring all this science starts with me eating an entire day's worth of muffins. Like, she's going to <laughs> see that one coming a mile off. Right. The one problem I've got here, apart from the P-O-O-P thing, is it doesn't say how much it costs. I don't like that. I really don't like that. You've got to go through the whole flipping thing, right, to then, then they'll say, okay, now it costs what, Rafe? What, what, 500 quid? What? I think it's £200 for the initial kit, right. and then it's sort of about maybe £40 a month for the ongoing oh, service subscription. What, what are you hiding that you can't just say this is how much it costs? That is quite a lot, but I guess it's also how much you might spend on a gym or something, so I'm just trying to rationalise. Well, I don't think there's a cost. Yeah, I think because you've got to do a proper test here, right? And, and obviously, you know, there's cost involved. Science pounds. I don't yeah. mind the cost. The issue is explain it. Yeah. So you have you have to go through the whole process, I presume, because I'm I'm walking it through on the website, you know, to then then say okay, right now, and this is how much it costs, right? Mm. And Rafe has helped say it's two hundred something. Well, Rafe, let's put a pin in that and come back to it in a future episode. Right, do it now. Do the test, Rafe. We want to know about all the poop stuff. Well, because right. I, I want to hear about that. I think that actually there's some real value there. But people listening to the podcast might be interested in systems like this. Maybe not Zoe, but the, there are some other competing products. And you know, is it good? Does it work? Is this the new Rafe thing? Should we do an episode where he collects all the stuff? No. My mind boggles. Let's move on quickly. Okay. So you haven't asked, but I'm going to tell you. So my one is, (laughs) as we get towards the end of the year, my to-do list, you you know I'm a big fan of lists and and personal organisation, that kind of stuff. Yes. And it's all got a bit out of control, a bit out Mm. of hand, lots of sort of loose ends and lists of lists and things. And so it's time for a bit of a clean-up. But rather than just... Well, as I said to you earlier, you're like, I don't like the answer, just be try harder. 
You know, yes. like, you know, kind of start over and try harder. What I'm going to try uh, next year is something that's been repeatedly recommended in loads of different places I've been doing some reading on, and that's not to have a to-do list on its own, but to start to practice something called time blocking. So that is writing out all the things you need to do in various priorities and however you might manage your list in, in a normal way. And I've got right. a, you know, I've got a technique I like that I kind of learned about and read from a book, but Pomodoro, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, go. That is an approach I like. There's a system called getting things done, which kind of uh, gets you to sort of GTD, GTD, yes, certain processes at certain times of the day. And, it, and it's not magic. You still have to do the thing, but I like the rigor of kind of being prompted to do the right thing at the right time because I need that. To, so what do I do next? But the big difference is I have found recently, particularly because, again, it's funny, because I'm not traveling, commuting anymore, I used to do that, look at my list, manage my stuff, move this around, do my kind of daily, you know, sort out my to-do list. That time's gone now, and I tend to mm. sort of stand up out of my desk and sort of walk away. And so, you know, kind of that maintenance time, by accident, fallen out of my diary. And so time blocking is about taking your to-do list and sort of starting to plan when you're going to do these activities. So it's almost like I, some people call it like booking a meeting with yourself to say, well, here's my diary for the day, yes. and here are the meetings I've got with other people. But my most important thing is to write that report. So I'm going to put two hours this morning in my diary to write that report, and so I know what I'm going to do. Right. So I'm no longer just sitting and looking at a big, long list of tasks where I might choose to do something that's easy but not important, or something that I prefer, you know, fun but not urgent. But also, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at my list, I've often got so many things to do, some work stuff, personal stuff, family stuff, you know, yes. community stuff I might be doing. And you kind of get overwhelmed because you've never actually paused to say, do I actually have enough time to do all these things? You know, when I look at all these lists, I've got, you know, kind of 48 hours of work to do in every 24 hours day. And so the idea of actually sort of saying, I'm going to attribute blocks of time in my calendar to this means that you're actually starting to be realistic to say, well, actually, these things are never going to get done. So perhaps yeah. I'll start to decline them or I'll ask for help in work or something like that. Again, I mean, none of these things are a golden bullet, but it's a, it's a nice additional incremental step on having a task list and managing it well yes. that I, I think is going to work well. And I have to say, one of the reasons I also am prompted to do this is that my current favorite task manager, I use Todoist, has just added calendar functionality this year and has started to add some features with task durations, which sounds a bit nerdy, but is effectively the kind of the plumbing that you need to start to do time blocking. And they've also got a roadmap where they're going to start to support more of these sorts of things, both they integrate with Google Calendar if you use that, but also they're talking mm. about having their own calendar in time. So now's a great time to be thinking about that. And actually, oftentimes I find with things like this, simply pausing to think about what you're doing and why is in itself beneficial, even if you know the technique you choose isn't any better than another one you might chance mm. upon. Yes. Simply trying to get better is better than not. That's my resolution for next year. Rock on. Yeah. It's not very exciting, but I do like to do it, and it's dead handy, and it's easy to do now. So I think simple tools to make this stuff better. Okay, let's move on then. We have only a few minutes left and a handful of topics, and I'm going to be dictator Ben, and I'm going to insist that the last two that we do are in this order. So another email, because 
when people Great. write in, they deserve some airtime. Yes, they do. That, definitely. This is even worse than Mark's. Matt Lacey wrote in ages ago and uh, will by this point have had a fulsome apology for this tardiness of my response. But Matt wrote in after we did the social media episode and he was asking about Twitter. Yes. And I think, you know, we've talked enough about Twitter, mm. so we won't cover any more on that. But I think Matt raised a really interesting question, which we hadn't sort of really covered on the episode, which was he said, the current leadership of Twitter talk about wanting to make it an everything app. Right. X, the everything app, is yes. this idea. And he was basically asking whether we thought that was a goer or not. You know, do we think that that is a realistic prospect? Is that something that's appealing mm. or is that something that we think that it could be successful? And I suppose where I'd start with is the example that people often give is things like WeChat in China, which again, Rafe, I'm going to let you keep me straight here, but it's a messaging app. You can do commerce stuff through it. I think you can look up information. It's everything. It's literally everything, right? Yeah. So when we say an everything app, it's not exaggerating. It really does allow people to conduct you know, all kinds of important aspects of their life. So first of all, have I characterized WeChat correctly? I mean, I think so. It started kind of like as a chat thing, but probably what's become critical is that you can use it to pay for things. Mm. And that was done using QR codes. And now as a result, it's kind of used for messaging, social media, payments, subscriptions, food delivery, utility bills, plane, train tickets. And so that's why it's kind of got this everything app and owned by a tech giant Tencent, which is probably one of the important reasons it's been able to gain that traction. And to give you a sense of how big it is, there are times that you get blocked from using it. And I'm not going to get into uh, the policies or anything like that. But people talk about it being like having digital death and like having your internet switched off because it's so core to how many of those things work. And like we are not China experts, but there is enough reading out there to say that it has become a thing. And I mean, Ewan has alluded to this in some of the Middle Eastern countries that he's visited where certain apps have become pretty critical for paying for services and things. And I think what all of these everything apps have in common is there's kind of a payment at the heart. And people have talked about Venmo in the States and X for Twitter being linked to the original PayPal and Musk wanting to go back to that mm. payment thing. And that's where kind of everything apps have come from. And so jumping onto the second part of Matt's question then, Ewan, mm. do you think that Twitter or indeed any app could become an everything app in the markets where we spend our time so western europe north america places like that because it's noticeable that for whatever reason there are everything apps in other markets but they haven't traveled into the uk for example i think you, you do need a force of personality right and money okay because this stuff especially anything anything to do with the payments is quite complex but if you have a force of personality and you can say whatever you like about Mr. Musk, and many opinions are available, mm. right? But he's got stuff moving, and he has a track record of getting stuff done. I think I would be open to it, certainly open to it. And you know, this everything, it would be really interesting if, for example, they did go through the process and make it that you can pay anyone on Twitter. You send money to anybody on Twitter, for example, right? Or anyone with you, know, any UK person can send money to uh, a US person via X. I could see them doing that. And I could, I could see people going, well, uh, I don't really know, but I did actually send $100 to him and it was really quick and easy and I'm not sure about this, but I, I, I start using it. So I do think there is possibilities, right? I think, you know, and with that, get it done right now. You know, oh, it's going to cost a lot of money. There's the money. Do it. 
yeah, I think that could be interesting. I have two reservations. One briefly recaps my feelings on Elon Musk, which is that he doesn't tend to prioritize trust and safety and those sorts of things. And that's the sort of thing I'd be looking for in an app that started to introduce payments or commerce or any of those things that Rafe listed off for WeChat. But then I was thinking also a kind of for better or worse, have got used to shopping around. Like I use my Monzo account, I use mm. TransferWise, I use American Express for financial services sometimes. When I need to make transactions or I need to do finance stuff, I've got loads and loads of apps available to me. And I kind of don't default to sort of just thinking, oh, I want, I want one. Rafe, I was thinking with how we collect money for uh, the community group that I'm part of, you know, which, which was buying some presents for Christmas. And you know, some people were sending money via Monzo because they were on Monzo and they could do a bank transfer, but with the ease of not needing bank codes because yes. you could use your phone's contacts. Other people were already on PayPal and they knew how to do that. It was a real mishmash, but absolutely nobody in that conversation tried to say, oh, you know, download a new app and set up a new banking relationship. It was all just trying to basically accepting that people had what they had <laughs> and, and, you know, you'd work around that. And so, you know, has the ship sailed for an everything app in our market? I think so. Never say never, but this has been a kind of a mega trend that's been talked about for the last three or four years with WeChat. I think what people forget is that WeChat formed in a market that was still kind of nascent 10 years ago where you were on maybe devices that weren't as powerful. So there were space concerns and everything like that. And actually WeChat reached market saturation in the same way that WhatsApp has in the UK through chat and then added stuff. So it, it doesn't feel like the kind of conditions or the context are quite there, whether that's for X or for something else. But one thing I have learned is like that can change very quickly if you find the right hook. Mm. So I wouldn't rule it out altogether, but it just doesn't feel like those conditions are going to exist in the markets, both because of saturation points and kind of maturity. And I think there's also a kind of a user expectation thing. WeChat got to the point where Chinese consumers presumably expected to be able to get stuff through there. And that required a certain sacrifice of the user experience for some brands. I think most brands here would be very reluctant to give up that level of control, whether it was to X and Elon Musk or someone else. Mm. They've invested in their own app. So for me, the everything app in the Western markets, it's probably the smartphone operating system themselves. And actually the bigger threat is more things being put into the operating system. And I think you can look at Apple Pay and Google Pay and the way those have evolved and you look at the Apple card and how that's become a store of value and how that could be used for doing mm. payments in the future. And even kind of the, the mapping applications have become kind of aggregators for the on-demand Ubers, Bolts, etc. of this world. And so I kind of expect more to go into the operating system themselves. And so coming back to a point we made earlier, that may get antitrust and regulators involved. Yeah. And so that seems to me a more likely scenario than an upstart or even established app suddenly becoming the everything app. But you know, could it happen in the business world? You could argue that Microsoft are kind of getting there with Office and the way that could develop in the future could be a different twist on what the everything app might look like. Specifically going back to Twitter as well. I mean, we're all very exposed to Twitter because we were heavy Twitter users and have been soaked in it since day one. But if I think about, you know, kind of the commerce payments or that kind of stuff, I wonder if anybody stands a better chance of being an everything app in our market, it's Facebook. Because the number of Facebook users versus Twitter users in my life is vastly, vastly more 
Facebook yes, users. Yes. Yeah, we've had that, Ben. When? When? I mean, it's, it's look, the, the whole of the Middle East is using, is, you know, the countries are effectively, businesses run on WhatsApp, apart from the payment bit, because they haven't got anything out of the door yet. No, and, and I mean, they're slow, but I mean, look what happened. They saw an opportunity with the faltering of Twitter and they launched threads. I don't know mm-hmm. if they've done a, a good or a bad job, but I think the point is that they've got loads and loads more users. And yeah. if they decided to launch something, they could launch it to many millions more users than Twitter could, even before it had its massive decline in, in use. So I suppose mm-hmm. my answer to you, Matt, is I'm not really feeling it, but I think probably Ewan is a little bit more swayed. <laughs> we are nearly completely out of time. So we had uh, Humane and the AI pin was still on our list, and we haven't got to that, unfortunately. Okay, we can, we can do that in a sentence each. Come on. Well, I actually think I'd like to give it more than a sentence. So we're going to save that over to give it a whole episode of its own, I think. It would be okay. interesting. I want, to re- I want to cover AI, new devices. Chat GPT. Chat GPT. pilot And basically things that are computing devices that are not smartphones. I think that would be a really interesting episode. We'll do that in the new year. Yeah. For those that were listening last episode, which would have gone out a couple of weeks ago, I raved about cars, electric cars, and those sorts of things. Electric car update, the electric car that I said I really liked and was really good, it has gone back to its leasing company. And Ewan will be delighted to know that having expounded long and loud about how all the traditional car manufacturers were having their lunches eaten by all these brands which had got yeah. far ahead on electric vehicles, I'm now driving an electric BMW. Ooh. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Right, well, we need to discuss that. We'll cover it off, and, and we, will, we will revisit it in a future episode, but the Smith household is now bestowed with an i4, a BMW Oof. i4, which is an okay. electric family saloon. And I was very aware when we were choosing that that it might be compromised because it's a vehicle that is available both as a gas vehicle and an electric vehicle. Yes. And I have to say that my probably not very demanding usage of it has not found that at all. It's really, really good. And actually, for this audience particularly, what I've noticed is that of all of the manufacturers I've tried thus far, BMW's in-car entertainment experience has the best integration with CarPlay that I've ever used. Okay. The key for my car is now in Apple, my Apple Wallet, so I can open and drive my car just with the key out of Apple Wallet with the NFC. When I start to run low on charge and I'm in CarPlay, the car send notification through CarPlay to the phone and you mm-hmm. can navigate to charging points in Apple Maps. Uh, it doesn't bump you out to the native BMW route finder and there's lots and lots more information going backwards and forwards. I mean, I know that in most cases people using CarPlay are just sort of remotely viewing the screen on their phone to do navigation. Yes, basically, yeah. But there's lots of additional information. And um, what's really fascinating actually is that when you're navigating through the menu system of the car, you normally see all the apps that the car has, all the rubbish apps that you never use. And then I think this is CarPlay. And then you press that, and then there are the apps that you really want to use. (laughs) And in the BMW system, all of the CarPlay apps that you have are surfaced in their system. So I can set up shortcuts and open them from menu items and set them up as widgets on my dashboard actually like, uh, you know, kind of with the same prominence as if they were BMW provided apps, which is really cool. Their icons come through and everything as well. It's very impressive. So, I mean, it won't be the right vehicle for everyone, but actually just from a Apple user and from an integration point of view, I was greatly impressed. So there you go. Let's do more on that. We will revisit that. But yes, uh, a lot more time has passed since the recording of these two episodes. But yeah, everything I said about South Korean cars, I think it still stands, but... (laughs) 
for yeah. reasons I'll explain but later. I have a BMW now. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm now back to driving a German traditional manufacturer vehicle. Awesome. Okay, gents, we are out of time. 2023 has been a bit of a uh, hodgepodge for us. We've had a very inconsistent recording schedule, lots of disruption and changes in our various personal lives. I'm hoping that 2024 proves to be a little calmer and a little more predictable for all of us. So we're going to have a couple of weeks off over New Year and we'll be back in January with the next episode. And as ever, we would really welcome your feedback if you have any time during the holiday period to catch up on episodes and you've got any thoughts, feedback you'd like to give us. I'll probably respond more quickly than I have to previous <laughs> correspondence. So please write in, use the website 361podcast.com. You can find us on Mastodon at 361podcast at mastodon.social. If that's a mouthful, just go to the website and there are links there for all of our social presence. If you really would like to, you can send us a private email as well and all the information's available on the website. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. Brave plan for woken up. Lovely. And see you again in 2024. Bring it on. Bye bye. There we go. Right. Cars. Yeah. Not going to talk about it lots more, but I really think that the ability to make good in car software, I know we said this in the, in the episode, the ability to make good in car software. It's going. He can still hear me. He's got his wireless headphones on. I thought we were recording a post show, but you know, well, so did I. Rafe Blanford's been bought off. Well, just for the uh, for the listeners, Blanford just waved, and then I think he's gone to the restroom, as we would say in America. He's gone for a little rest. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's back. That's better. Could you hear us while you were busy? Yes. All right. I enjoyed my commentary. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. So post show. What were we talking about? What did Father Christmas bring you? Headache. <laughs> I believe uh, Father Christmas might be bringing me a Concord Lego set. Ooh. Ooh, very nice. So the grown-ups in our family don't really do Christmas presents, so we tend to focus on the kids. But um, we have some new gaming console things coming into the house for Christmas this year. Xbox? Uh, no, we went PlayStation, actually. Cool. Because I think there's probably not a lot to choose, but we are uh, big into FIFA, or it's not yeah, uh, it's not yeah, FIFA yeah. anymore. Is it's FC twenty four? Because <laughs> FIFA and EA Sports had a falling out, and that that's the extent of the gaming industry commentary I'm prepared to do. But he and his friends all like to play FIFA football, yeah. and so we've done that. And I hope I don't live to regret it because I'm obviously going to spend the rest of my life now doing PlayStation technical support on. Why doesn't this multiplayer game work? Well, and I, look, if you, uh, if you need any assistance, let me know, because I've been doing it for quite a long time. Yes. Uh, I do both. We have Xbox and PlayStation, because do you remember the PlayStation stopped working? We were a PlayStation household that stopped working, genuinely. Right. And then we went and got an Xbox, and then the PlayStation magically did actually. I just thought I'll randomly, just before I throw it out, before I go and try and get it fixed. Oh, it is working. It has some hard disk fault. Uh, so we have both now. So Archie Elders, he does uh, Xbox, typically, and then Freddy does PlayStation. Yeah, we can do some gaming together. There you go. Well, yes, I, I don't have time to read my books. I definitely don't have time to start gaming. <laughs> yeah. To date, we've been a Switch household, and that's been just about right, because Mario games, that kind of stuff, was the right age group for us. Yes. But yes. we're growing up yes, now. We're growing up, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fortnite, bring it on. Right then, I think that's enough post-show chat. I don't think we've got anything anymore. We don't need, we don't need, but we've got loads. I've just got one more resolution for New Year's. That oh, yes. We record one of these, and I want you to just end up trying to do zero takes, but 20 takes later, just failing miserably.
That's not a resolution. That's an aspiration, isn't it? <laughs> can you cut something together out of that, Mark? That can't be allowed. That can't be allowed. <laughs> Anyone else makes a mistake, you've got to do the whole thing again. Yeah. I can just, Mark, can you just cut that? What is this? It's called double standard, you, and you just have to deal with it sometimes. I think that's what's happening here. Right. <laughs> 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 oh.